Whitesides, and with me is Mr. Chris Hellstrom. Hi, Jody. How you doing? I'm alive and slightly unwell. Well, I hope you feel better soon. That's a lot of rough stuff going around, so I'm sorry you're a little bit under the weather. Yeah, funny that. Yeah, but you're a pro, and you're here showing up to this <laughs> inaugural podcast Damn right. inside the recording studio. Damn right. So uh, what are we going to do here? With this podcast, what's our goal? My understanding is, is that we're going to try and give some tips and tricks to all the other wonderful producer and recording engineers out there, even some mix engineers too. That's the idea. That's, That's the idea. That's the so, idea. So we're, I guess we're going to try to go a little bit from um, our personal experience and things that we've learned along the way. Oh, I figured I'd hold a seance and try to get other people in on this from the afterlife. Best of luck with that. <laughs> uh, yeah, so um, we're going to try to, like I said, share some of the ideas and, and things that we've come across the way. We've been doing this for quite a few years. Yeah, quite and, a few. And uh, hopefully make the journey. Yeah, right. Uh, yeah, I lead, need a lot of digits to kind of count that. <laughs> I have um, to get my toes involved too. Yeah, right. But uh, hopefully make the um, the journey a little bit smoother. And hopefully little tips and tricks that uh, I wish somebody would have told me or encouraged me to learn uh, when I started out. Right? Yeah. So um, how did you get into this whole recording thing, Jody? What what made you, um, well, I guess want to be a musician and later on as well as a recording engineer and producer? Let's see. If I think back really hard, way, way back – uh, when I was first learning to play, I actually had this weird, odd desire having read an article or an interview with Mr. Frank Zappa. Oh, really? Stating that it would have been a really good idea to always own your own publishing and your own masters. And I think he was talking technically from personal experience. So it wasn't so much that it's probably a good idea. It was his theory that it was a good idea. It's and definitely somehow, a good idea. Somehow that stuck with me. So I started out recording on a Porta One Tascam Mini Studio, uh, learning how to record my own oddball creations until they got a little bit more commercially acceptable. But there were a lot of transitions along the way between that oddball stuff and the modern recording systems of today. Sure, definitely. Yeah. But but what made you – because that leap, not just owning your own publishing, uh, couldn't have triggered just that idea. But what made you – Well, it was, was the it, Own Your Own Masters segment too. Like, right. Not but, only but did I you mean, say but, publishing, you also mentioned your own masters. Sure. So – but what sparked the interest from that? Was it strictly – it couldn't have been strictly just a business standpoint. It had to be some form of interest or was it one of essentially just uh, self-preservation at first? To uh, actually, to, it was to more just an extreme love of sound. Right. For whatever reason, um, sound is just super sexy to me. It's like really sexy even though I don't have a sexy voice right now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah, with your throat, you sound a little bit like Barry White. Oh, today. I'm not quite that deep, but I'm close. We're getting close, baby. Yeah, baby. Yeah. Okay, so so a love for sound, and uh, what what started you on the journey to 
wanting to be a musician. Was there a lot of music when you grew up? And, and oh, no, no, no. And sparked the love? No? That was actually pretty dumb. <laughs> it's a funny story. I mean, it's not, I don't know if it's necessarily funny. High school situation, air band contest. Right. Uh, group of us got together to do Ozzy Osbourne's Crazy Train. And oh, on air guitar? Uh, uh, no, actually, I was originally the air bassist. Oh, and then course, we had yeah. the lip sync <laughs> Aussie guy dressed up in a bathrobe and holding a fake bat and pulling the head off with jelly on it to kind of stimulate that story that he ate a bat head or whatever. Um, yeah, inadvertently. Yeah. Inadvertently. But we did it as a joke to that homage of that. And as we were rehearsing, the original guy that was supposed to play the air guitar just couldn't hack it. It just looked awful. So um, I had a buddy who was a guitar player that knew how to actually play the song and had a Gibson Les Paul. And so he was cool enough to let me borrow the guitar, was cool enough to sit me down for about 20 minutes and show me, at this point in the song, put your hand here and kind of do something like this. And at this point, do this. So he just kind of gave me the general areas of where I should put my hand and just kind of wave my fingers around like I'm playing something. And when we got done, um, unfortunately, we did not win, which was really sad because we were the ones that went all out and, like, really did it. But being in a small town in Utah, people didn't appreciate the quote-unquote satanicness of Ozzy Osbourne. So we only finished in third, unfortunately. But everybody that was friends with me or saw the thing were coming up to me and be like, dude – you really know how to play guitar because it looked like you really knew what you were doing. I was like, do you really play? I'm like, it's this. It's this easy to fool you. <laughs> I'm going to learn to do this for real. <laughs> so that's the story behind that. How about right. yourself? What got you into recording? Um, I think it was just, I mean, I'm dating myself here, obviously, but but this was going back to um, – the, the Porta Studio days. I, I started with. I actually started really, really early on with um, a friend of mine, a band I was playing it with. Uh, boombox to boombox. No, not not that bad. But it was <laughs> um, it was Tascam four track. Yeah, the Porta one it, or the Porta two. I, you know what? I don't remember. Uh, but the idea of that, and we were recording our own songs, and it was. These are the days where the drums were done with a drum machine. So you had to actually, you programmed the little patterns and you might have had, you know, two or three patterns for the whole song, right? And you actually had to sit there and count the bars that you had to, and then you had to switch to the different pattern. But anyway, long, boring story shorter. Um, <laughs> that, that's where it started. Just the idea of being able to listen back to something that you had done. Right. I thought that was really, really cool. Uh, That's what makes sound so sexy. Right. And uh, then it wasn't until later um, in, I'm talking like the early 90s, um, where I had my own, this was a Tascam 488, the little little A-track. Yeah, very sexy. Oh, no, I, I thought that was the most cool thing at all or uh-huh. the whole world at that point but i had that and um started out and we've talked about this in private you and i as well but i had the uh, the atari 1040 st oh yeah had one of those myself <laughs> yep and um running cube based on that so it was the old thing you sequenced everything in that and dumped it onto two track on the task cam and evolved from there but um 
That was back in the days of running Simpty timecode on a particular track on a four track so you could sync all the stuff with what you were recording. Yeah, that, that's something that um, I didn't do with that. I figured I was young enough and ignorant enough where <laughs> I was thinking, you know, it, well, you obviously had to do the the, the, the ping ponging type of thing. Oh, right? yeah, so yeah. You, bouncing yeah. lots of tracks. Yeah, lots of tracks down. back and yeah. forth, right. But just the idea there of uh, being able to get the most out of the gear and, and – like I said, being able to um, listen back to something that you did. And uh, this is obviously way, way before uh, DAWs and everything really, really took off where everybody in the Runkle has a setup at home. But um, so, so that that started intriguing me. And I guess I got really, really deep into it um, more toward the later 90s where I sort of fell out of favor with the guitar. I'm, I'm a guitarist by nature. That's why I started. Or you by don't nature. Say. That's a strong word. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, by, by nature. I was born and bred. No. You're um, a Swede. You're famous yeah. for guitar players. <laughs> Aren't we, though? Um, so that's when it started becoming a little bit more interesting. And I got into, you know, more. At this point, you could track audio um, into your DAW as well. So that, that was really intriguing. And uh, it was something that was different. And just learning how to do it better. And it was always that trying to just get as good as you can. I sure. Think. So, so the whole – just the whole idea of, of being able to control the whole process was really appealing. Right. Um, yeah. So, Power to the musician. Yeah. Something like that, right? And um, it was fun. It, it was – different for me than than just learning an instrument and just doing that instead you could kind of take all the pieces and mold it into something and try to make it sound cool like clay in the movie ghosts just kidding yeah (laughs) (laughs) Uh, yeah nothing like that but no um so i think that's where it started but i was always around music at home from an early Age, I always remember there was always music around, and uh, for me, it was like a lot of people my age. It was it was Kiss that really triggered it, wanting to start playing. Ooh, um, yeah, Would it I pain wanted to be you to know that I got to meet them in that era without their makeup before anybody knew who they were. Ooh, you're so special. I was. Yeah, yeah. No, I, at one point I would have given body parts to have done that but uh, yeah <laughs> i was um, kind of dragged along so i wasn't given anything <laughs> yeah yeah no i know yeah all you had to do well it was your dad right it was my dad yeah uh, yeah he yeah. did some artwork for them or actually yeah. not for them but of them for their manager and we got to go meet them at their rehearsal space and i was like this wee little kid yeah so. yeah so um so that's what was triggered it but uh that's a little about my background when it kind of started. But um, uh, the topic of this first podcast, I'm switching gears kind of quickly, but... Oh, I feel like I just downshifted. Am I watching Ford versus Ferrari? I don't know. Are you you strapped in? (laughs) I am. I'm in my chair. Let's go. Yeah. Um, Is the idea of uh, sort of like an overarching type of thing and to be really comfortable with the gear that you're using. Well, how do you get really comfortable with the gear you're using? I think you shouldn't be afraid to ask questions. You shouldn't be afraid to, number one, don't be afraid of manuals. Ooh, that's a good one. RTFM. Um, so, and secondly, just diving in, just doing it and practicing it. There's no 
thing as just, oh, I'm going to start and I'm going to be great at it. And um, Boy, I listen back on some of those things as I'm going through archives right now and I'm like, ooh, I was ignorant. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, but I guess that's part of the beauty, right? That you Hopefully you learn a little something along the way. It would be bad if you had the opposite experience. You know, you listen back to some. Ooh, I was really good back then. What happened? (laughs) (laughs) That would be that'd be the exact opposite effect of everything you'd want. Oh my god, I'm going. I was so brilliant back then. What happened to me now? Right. I was great back then. I want to go back to that. Um. No. So just knowing your gear and to this point today, I mean, we're talking about basically your computer and your DAW. I think most people are in the box today. Yeah. 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 I'd agree with that statement. So. you have to be comfortable, you know, whether you're a Mac person or you're a PC person, Windows. Um, Hi, be- I'm a Mac. Yeah. Are you a um, PC? <laughs> I, I am not. I'm most definitely not. But, but that, that's not what this is about. It's, it doesn't matter today if you're a Mac person or if you're a PC person. But, but know your operating system well enough that – You can get around it. You, you can get around it. You can troubleshoot if things aren't working. Um, the only – just as an A-side to that, it doesn't matter PC or Mac. It does in some cases if your DAW is only like – we're both Logic users, you and I. That's a Mac-only platform. But yep, anything else, that it is. you know, whether you're Cubase, you're Ableton Live, you're a Pro Tools user, what have you, doesn't matter. Everything is good today. Um, just be comfortable using it and be able to troubleshoot. And, well, I think um, the best thing to say about that is use – what makes your workflow cool and easy for you? Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, it's, you know, the, the better you know your DAW, the easier your workflow will be. Or, or That's the hope anyway. Right. Yeah. I mean, if a piece of software is just sort of like fighting you all along the way, then maybe it's time to check out something else. Um, but I think every DAW today can do just about everything that you needed to. Ooh, um, just about. I think there's a couple that could use a little bit of work, Logic being one of them, Pro Tools being the other. Yeah, it's always different things, right, depending on what you do. I mean, if you're... Synchronization's a big thing, especially amongst, like, tracks that are building up on each things. But that's a whole other story. We'll go there later. Yeah. Yeah. This is a little bit of a painting with broader, broader strokes. It's a pain in the uh, riches. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> that, that, that too. Um, so, but I mean, in all seriousness, if you're, um, let's say that if you're a DJ and you're, you know, you're, you're primarily perhaps Scratching. working with loops and things like that, <laughs> um, Ableton Live might be a great one. Um, oh, yeah. If you're using bunch and bunch of audio tracks, you know, another one might be a better uh, suited choice for you. But everything is good. Just know the piece of gear that you're working with so that you can get around. Um, I think – Key commands are your friends. Key commands are your friends. Learn them. And here's, here's a little tip. First tip. Uh-oh. Tip number one. Is this going to go tip down as a one. Tuesday two-minute tip? Or is it, it just might. A, it might. Okay, yeah. That's it right. might. Okay. Um, when I started nerding out really with logic, I made it an effort. Of, I'm going to learn That's every key command and I'm going to map. Yeah, I'm going to map everything <laughs> to key commands that make sense to me and blah, blah, blah. And 
today, I think that's completely the wrong approach. Instead of trying to digest all the key commands at once, learn the ones that you use frequently first and start those and then build from there. When you start using different tasks, repetitive tasks, uh, keep using those and, and learn those. So, so don't bother trying to learn everything at one point. Here's one thing I'd suggest about that. What's that? Most DAWs give you the ability to change the key commands to whatever you want. But I would encourage you to learn where the standard key commands are that you're going to use so that if an upgrade happens, <laughs> you don't suddenly get left out in the wind. Right. Yeah. Good chances that the DAW is not going to change its standard key commands. And then if you have something that's a little more specialized, it's not standard, then you can like adjust that and put it somewhere on your keyboard that makes sense to you. Right. And also, if you happen to do a session at somebody else's studio, you can save your key commands and take them with you. You can do that, but it's also you don't want to sit down. And I've done that several times where key commands I've used for, you know, 15 plus years. And then I find myself at somebody else's workstation. I'm like, why is that not working? That's not because <laughs> they have different key commands. And they that's have why they, uh, right. the standards. Right. But but even the standards, I know at least with logic, have changed over the years. So Once or tw- I think they've changed maybe two times in giant sweeping reforms of the updates of an app of logic. Yeah. But right. outside of that, they don't tend to generally change too much. It's just equally as jarring every time it happens. Yes, it like, is. It's like, why, is that why did they do that? Yeah. Yeah. And then you have to go in and relearn, reconfigure them back or again. Yeah. Um, so learning a few at a time, I think, is a, is a great way of doing it. Um, one thing that I wanted to bring up was, as we're talking about sounding obvious, but learn the gear that you're working with. Yes. But um, I've come across people where, You know, they ask, and it's not necessarily something wrong with that, but they ask the most rudimentary questions. And (laughs) what is a rudimentary question? Well, it could be things (coughs) like, um, how do I record on a track or how do I do this? Well, you have to be willing to to do a little bit of research for yourself and not, you know. That's a manual thing. That's a manual thing or just be able to or be willing to learn a little bit about sitting down and and, uh, learning the tools that you have. Just like in the days of of when everybody was recording to tape, you had to learn how to to, to work the tape machine. Yeah. That was just like you just got to do that. Special button just to play record. And you had to make sure you have the tabs in the tape cassette if you were talking well, to Porta 1. You well, didn't that, have that too. It wouldn't but, record because it would just stop you. I'm talking if you're like reel to reel, if you're doing like, you know, recording to two inch tape and oh, you had to yeah, learn that. how to actually use the, 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 the tape machine. And, and yeah, and all the biasing and all this kind of stuff. So you have to kind of know a little bit about it. You don't have to be. A god, you know, yeah, the the <laughs> being a living encyclopedia of doing it, but but you should know um, more than one the, thing, boy, more than one thing, and uh, just to be, um, well, when you're writing or you're tracking somebody else, there's nothing that kills the workflow faster than, oh wait, we have a problem here. Let's you guys go for lunch, and I'll try to figure out what this is. Actually, uh, you know what else kills the workflow? What I is thought that? I knew that key command. Where is it? 
<laughs> well, that kills the workflow were, too. Uh, it, yeah, could be too. So, so that's when you keep that. How dialogue. do you turn it, on the click? That, that's how you keep that dialogue in yourself, and you sheepishly look up the key commands in your DAW. So you got to know that key command too, right? Right. O- option K. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, so where was I? Yeah. So, so none of the the software is going to do everything for you as much as you want it to do. You have to tell it what to do and uh, getting around. I, I know I'm belaboring a point here, and it, it sounds like I'm probably lonely up here on my pedestal. But um, You are. I'm not I there am. with you. <laughs> <laughs> um, but learn your gear. Get comfortable with it, and don't be afraid of, of uh, you know, just diving in and messing around. Not with somebody else's project. I wouldn't recommend that. But but when you have some downtime when you're learning your, your system, sit down and just – track stuff and, and I feel like you could like say one we've already said it read the manual two be like horseshack ooh 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 Mr. Cutter I know the answer or you ask somebody <laughs> by raising yeah. your hand and be like I got a question yeah yeah and um yeah j- just be inquisitive I guess and be humble enough that you don't know how to do everything yet oh and, come uh, on you're not humble it, at all I'm just um, I, I'd like to think I am. <laughs> um, so, you know, you can always learn a new way of doing something and uh, just getting better at what you do. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, really belaboring the point. Learn your gear, get comfortable with it, whatever it is that you do. And this is obviously encompassing for all kind of styles that you might do. This doesn't matter if you're you know, um, a beat maker or your, you know, tracking orchestras or whatever it is. It, it's just, you should always just kind of know your gear. Um, and, uh, have a lot of fun doing it. Cause it is a lot of fun. It, it really, really is. Oh yeah. Fun, baby. Fun. Absolutely. Excuse so squeaky chair. I feel like I'm, I need to oil this bitch. You sound a little squeaky there today. My friend, I wasn't you don't talking sound like my voice. My voice is already squeaky. It's my chair. Well, that too. But uh, yeah, you sound like you're suffering a little bit. So I wish you the best. Ooh, thank you. Yeah. Um. So there. So, what can we talk about more about gear here uh, today? Well, what are you? What are you running? What what kind of gear are you? Signal using chaining? unaddated. Um. Well, let, let's start with your machine. My what, machine. What, what, I'm running. A cylinder Mac Pro, the one that so many people harped on for saying, ew, it doesn't contain everything on the inside. That sucks. You know what? I got it. And it's fast. It's stupid fast. I'm sure the brand new Mac Pro that just came out too, not too long ago is really cool too, but I don't got one of those yet. I'm still running a cylinder. And it still works for you, right? And it still works so, great. You right. know, and the audio interfaces connect via Thunderbolt. Uh, using and the what? Universal Audio Apollo system. I've got there the go. Twin Duo. I've got the Satellite Octo. And I've got an 8P Octo as well. Actually, I think those only come in a quad. Maybe it's... Uh, no, yeah, they're they quad. Quad is as big as they get. But the new ones, the X8P, I think those go actually bigger in terms of the amount of chips that you can get in it. Very cool. Very cool. But I love it. It's good. 
As much and, as I can love an inanimate object that just sits there and takes in audio. But you know what? It makes your day-to-day life easier. It sure does. And there's something to be said for that. There's a lot to be said for that. Yeah. And your DAW, we mentioned it, but your it's DAW is? Logic Pro X, whatever the it, latest version of that is. It's pronounced 10. Oh, whatever. It's no, Logic no, Pro X10. That X would be... Men. That's uh, one of my giant pet peeves. And okay, I'm, a, I'm running I'm a, Logic Pro 10. I'm a petty, petty man. <laughs> <laughs> Don't be Donald on us now. Well, oh, no. Let's not open that can of worms on this monster. podcast. Yeah, gotcha. Yeah. Um, okay, and you are tracking mostly in the box as well, obviously. Well, it's not even mostly. It's entirely in the box. I don't do that analog shit anymore. Yeah. Well, okay. what, do you, what do I mean by that? I guess it's it, – I play guitars. I play other things. They they get recorded via microphones, kind of like this podcast with the big, nice C12 telefucking sitting in front of my face in the video that you see here if you're watching the video cast of it. Um, so in that regard, yeah, there's some analog components to things, but they're still going into the box and being mixed in the box and done in the box. So, yeah. Right, right. Cool. Yeah. What um, are you running? I am also running uh, on the Mac system. I have a 27-inch iMac that is starting to really show its age, but uh, it's limping along. Um, You just got an SSD for that. Yes, I did exchange or swap out the internal drive for that. So I have an SSD for that and – Bunch of drives sitting on my desk here with all the projects and all this kind of stuff. And in uh, that regard, I think we're saying you don't need the latest and greatest to create some cool shit. Um, but no, having no, the latest but, and greatest is kind of an ego trip of wonderful. Uh, yeah, I mean, anytime, at least in my experience, when I've updated a machine, they certainly, you know last me a while they tend to uh so i certainly get my money's worth out of them um but every time you upgrade it's like whoa i can do all of this now this is awesome well Um, that's why i like the cylinder trash can it's like it's still lightning fast on all kinds of stuff yeah yeah so um i guess what get as big as you can when you're upgrading and as much as you can afford um yes do uh, not go into hawk to buy your gear that's a dumb idea yeah, I, I would uh, – well, unless you have to. I mean <laughs> – uh, You shouldn't d- have to. But. Well, no, don't overshoot it. I mean don't don't sell a kidney just because you want the new Mac, right? But uh, – well, it might cost a kidney to get one of those. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There's a, there's a funny – or funny or sad story depending on your point of view. Um, the, uh, the people over at – production expert podcast. I think they did a Lovely test. podcast, by the way. Yeah, amazing. Amazing. Super informative. Great stuff there every episode. But I think they had run a test of um, the new Mac Pro with, and everybody was, of course, raving about the, the PCI systems that you can have cards in them now. And everybody with um, their Pro Tools, HDX cards and everything were really happy. Oh, finally, I can upgrade my Mac and I can put these PCIe cards in. Right. And uh, in the test, they had realized that 
you actually got more, and I think I, I'm giving the right information here, but you could actually get more power running Pro Tools native on that than if you did and the you PCI run card. H- yeah. I so, don't doubt that because PCI is old technology. Now, if they updated it with like faster throughput and then you bought newer PCI cards that were faster throughput, I'd believe that. Right. But but the, the irony being there that people have been – or Pro Tools users have been clamoring, I need a Mac with, with PCIe slots to get that and realize you actually don't need the PCIe slots. Right. So. I mean that's <laughs> the thing with the Thunderbolt stuff. It's like, dude, I love the Thunderbolt stuff because it's quick, it's portable, and I don't have any issues with it. I don't need the PCIe cards anymore. Yeah, I don't. Know. Maybe in the future there's something that's PCIe that'd be like, oh, I need to have that. And then I go get the Mac Pro and stick it in there. But I've seen actually, there's another guy who's done a few videos up in Canada, who is a cartoon composer among other things, who showed him going from a trash can Mac. I think he used two of them, one for all his hmm. virtual instruments and one for his running his DAWs with his setup and he, he had a pretty powerful setup and he was able to reduce both of those computers down into a single new Mac pro. And it's pretty wow. impressive what he can do with it. But at the same time, it was kind of like, yeah, you had a working setup. Did you really need to go there? But you know, it's, you bet you bite the bullet, you do your thing. And, and I'm sure at some point I'm going to do the same thing. In yeah. No, I mean, it, future. it's a good luxury to have that. That's for sure. sure. Yeah. So, um, yeah. Um, Powerful, powerful system. So, so I'm I'm still here limping along on my iMac, but it, it is working very well, quite well. And it seems like I'm always in the middle of some kind of project. So it, it again, good problem to have. But I, I'm sure. not able to upgrade just quite yet. But but I hopefully will within the not too distant future. Um, running Logic Pro. 10. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Um, and have been for since you turned me on to Logic, actually, Jody, yeah, back that in was the kind day. Of my fault, wasn't it? Well, it's, you can take credit for that. And that's going back to, I think it was version 4.6 or 4.7 at that time. Yeah. I, and that know, was in I the days. Those were the days of eMagic. Yeah, eMagic days when it ran on both Mac and PC. I got kind of pushed into the Logic world by a guy named Matt Hepworth, not the guy that runs the Universal Audio forums, Mm -hmm. but a different Matthew Hepworth. And here's the humor of that. They're both in Utah. (laughs) Oh, that's funny. (laughs) So, uh, no, Matt Hepworth, uh, who got me into Logic, he worked at a, a music store here in in Utah, and uh, he's the one that turned me on to it. Said, "This is the this is the way. This is the light, young Padawan." Um, <laughs> he is no longer doing music; he's now doing video editing. But uh, I appreciate that he pushed me into Logic, and I just went into it full bore when I got it. Yeah. And that, yeah, I, I think it. that was like back when it was Logic Notator still was the name. And it was like version two or something like that. It was right. pretty early on. It didn't even do audio. It was strictly MIDI. Yeah, that, that's how I started. But I started with uh, with Cubase. Right. And it was all just the sequencing. And again, the aforementioned Tascam had to take care of the, the audio work. And then it went to, uh, what was it, Cubase VST when they started audio. And it was about that time when I, I made the plunge and, and went with uh, logic. logic. Yeah. When they had the eMagic PCIe card that was 14-bit, I think. Ooh. Two channels, I think, was all it took in. And 
two channels out plus mini in and out. Yeah, that hmm. was a fun time playing with a Mac Performa 465 or something like that. Had PCIe slot in it. Yeah, I used that for a long time. You did, yeah. Then I yeah. upgraded from the Performa to a Power Mac 9500 at the time. Oh, that was the flagship at the time. That was the flagship. I bought the farm on that one. But it got me a lot of work, so I can't complain. <laughs> yeah. So, again, it paid for itself, it right? It did pay yeah. for itself, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I did – I started – well, I mentioned the, the 1040 – uh, and yeah, then the Atari 1040 ST long before that. That's where it started. Yeah, but, but then it was um, – what did I do? I think I had a G3, still a little beige box. Yeah. And uh, th- this, again, this is one of those – one of my favorite um, things to compare about. I remember thinking I was going to go with either a 4 or a 6 gigabyte hard drive. <laughs> And I remember, I'm never going to need another hard drive again. Famous last words. Now it, most productions it, take more than six gigs. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. So it, it's funny. But then it went on to, I think I had the G4, the, the old uh, leaf blower thing. Oh, yeah. um, had that. Then it became a G5. Yep. Uh, the cheese grater. Yep. And uh, I had one of those that, for a long time. Yeah. Shit. What? Oh, sorry. Uh-oh. Uh my video camera ran out of space. Well, That's unfortunate. So well, I guess well, you just get, Are we well, ready to wrap up at this point? I think we're probably ready to wrap up. Um Now that you're shitting. So, <laughs> right. <laughs> sorry everybody. Uh, uh, this is a podcast land. You can swear who gives a fuck. That's right. Yeah. Then don't fucking listen then. That's right. Um, so, but, but uh, no, um, to wrap it up then, I guess we just have to look at Jody and listen to me, but, um, the, um, the purpose of get, get comfortable with your gear and, uh, you'll have a much uh, more pleasant journey toward your end goal. That is correct. I concur with that, sir. All right, Jody, on that note, let's quickly wrap it up and, uh, you have a fantastic rest of the day and I hope you feel better. Now. I will do that. All right, Jody. I'll talk to you later. Sayonara. See you next episode inside the court studio.